Hello, and welcome to the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, where stats make the story. Please enter the matrix now. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, where stats make the story. As always, I am your host, Adam Levy. Thank you for joining me for this episode number 36 of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. Now, if you listened in last week, we had the amazing privilege of talking to NLL Hall of Famer and a lacrosse legend in Casey Powell. It was such an insightful interview, and it was great hearing about his history in the game and also what he thinks about Americans in the game, both past and present, and who he thinks are some of the the greatest Americans to, to ever play in the National Lacrosse League. And I did give you a little bit of a foreshadowing last week that there were a couple of special episodes that I was working on, and this is the second of those two special episodes because this week I am focusing on my dad, Alexander Levy, who was a lacrosse player for many years, and I am very happy to be sharing his story with all of you and and the way that he introduced me to the game of lacrosse as well. This past week, I took a short trip back to New York City. Obviously, as as most of you know, I live in Vancouver, Canada, and I took a short trip with my wife and our newborn child, Preston. He's not really that much of a newborn anymore. He's about to be 17 months old, but we took a trip to New York so uh, we could see my parents, his grandparents, uh, Nikki's parent-in-laws, and uh, it was a great short trip while we were there. Uh, it's great coming back to New York City and uh, seeing some old faces and, and seeing how the city has developed and grown. Obviously, I have been in Vancouver now for over six years, uh, so it's been a long time. Actually, I can't believe it. It's been eight years now. Anyway, back to the point. So I did get a chance to sit down with my dad who has a very long history in lacrosse through various stages and and you know as you'll hear uh met so many great people had so many great experiences in the sport so a little different episode this week just as it was last week but this is the story about how my dad got introduced to lacrosse and and how he uh showed me what the game of lacrosse was all about and we'll touch on the highlights of his career through his lacrosse journey. So without further ado, that does bring us to the number of the week this week, which is 22. So now it's time to head into the Matrix to feast on a lot of nuggets. So let's get right to it. As I stated in my intro, my dad had a very long and successful lacrosse career, and it's one that that I want to break down in kind of a five-part story here, starting with his introduction to lacrosse uh, growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, or outside of the downtown area of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, My dad was introduced to the game by his father, so let's hear from my dad about what it was like being first introduced to the game. My first memories are not of playing lacrosse, it's learning how to throw and catch with a stick, a wooden stick, I might add, 
My father was an All-American at Johns Hopkins and captain of his team in his senior year. And he took my brother and me and my sister out in the backyard and we would throw the ball around. I was the one who really caught on to the game. And so the beginning was when I was about seven or eight years of age and I started playing organized lacrosse in the fourth grade at Friends School in Baltimore. And of course, because there are always sibling rivalries, it's uh, interesting to hear from my dad how the rest of his siblings panned out in lacrosse and, and who ended up having the most successful career. My sister gave it up pretty quickly. She moved on to dance. My brother uh, was not as skilled as I was and ended up being a goalie and did not uh, fare so well. Now, in that first chapter of my dad's lacrosse career, he played nine years at Friends School in Maryland uh, from the ages of nine years old to 17, and those were from 1954 to 1963. That uh, definitely a long, long time ago, and uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable how good his memory is of his time playing at Friends. I played on a sort of junior team, uh, from the fourth grade until the seventh grade. Uh, we used to play before the North-South game at Homewood Field, often losing because we were a small school in Baltimore. But uh, uh, it was a, a bunch of little kids running around with sticks and trying to catch and throw the ball, but most of the time the ball was on the ground and people were kicking it instead of throwing it around the way it should have been. And these were some of my dad's best memories when he was playing at Friends. Well, the best memories began in the seventh grade when there was a group of us. Uh, as I said, it was a very small school, but we had particularly talented uh, players. And we won, I think it was in the eighth grade, we won the uh, state um, eighth grade championship. And then I went on to play junior varsity. We won, we're best in the state um, in the ninth grade, and then from the 10th to the 12th grade, I played on the varsity, and my senior year in particular, we were state champions. I was uh, second team All-Maryland, and many of my team players were first, second, honorable mention, All-Maryland. So we had a really spectacular team, and it was a thrill to play on television back in those days uh, at Homewood F- Field and beat uh, City College uh, in the finals of the Maryland State Scholastic Association championship game. Now, before we move into the next chapter of my dad's lacrosse journey, I think it's uh, interesting to hear uh, a different perspective, to hear a perspective of what lacrosse was like back in the days when my dad played. Of course, we're talking about through the uh, late 50s and into the early 60s, uh, at Friends School before my dad had headed off to to university. Well, Maryland was a hotbed of lacrosse very much then. Long Island was up and coming. Uh, lacrosse was played in New York State and other places, but it was not nearly as widespread as it is now. And uh, I played, I graduated high school in 63, and so we were state champions that year. Um, but it was a... Uh, a, a, a game played both in the private schools and the public schools, but the private schools were generally uh, more skilled than the public schools, not always. 
uh, and most many of the private school kids went on to Ivy League colleges or New England colleges and played with prep school kids. Uh, and it was still a kind of uh, elite sport, but had not filtered down to public schools and had the broad support that it currently has. Now, as my dad did reference about the difference between the, the geographical areas and how they were doing in terms of lacrosse and the growth of the game, my dad did take the opportunity to, to go up northeast to play lacrosse at Trinity College, where he played there for four years from the ages of 17 to 21, and that was from the years 1963 to 1967. So let's hear from my dad about his experience playing for Trinity College. I knew that I wanted to continue playing lacrosse. I loved the sport. I was no good in any other sport. I was a crease defenseman and played in a particular way that was unusual for most crease defensemen because I was a little heavy and slow and uh, not, not so skilled at taking the ball away. So I kept uh, my hand on my man and never let him get the ball and make sure I intercepted any pass that came in my range. So I played a different way that served me well and took that up to Trinity College in Hartford uh, I knew they had a lacrosse team. It was relatively new up there, but I uh, knew at least that I would continue to play the game. I rejected the idea of going to Johns Hopkins because I wanted to get out of my hometown, Baltimore, but I was recruited to play for the Blue Jays. It was so interesting to hear my dad say that he had been uh, recruited to play at Hopkins. I, I personally didn't know that until I had spoken to him this past week, so that was very intriguing to learn. So here's what he said about turning down that opportunity to play for Johns Hopkins, the school that his father played at and was so successful for. Uh, not really. I just wanted to get out of Baltimore. I feel like uh, I had a good time at Trinity. Uh, my, the lacrosse skills were not what they would, be, would have been at Hopkins. And uh, I had a good, good run there and don't really regret uh, my decision. Looking back at his career at Trinity College, this is what my dad was most proud of during his four-year tenure at that school. Well, at Trinity, uh, I was All-American honorable mention for a couple years. That's something at Trinity College. I was captain my senior year. Um, I enjoyed a couple of times that I crossed the midfield line and ran down and shot the ball, usually from the restraining line, and scored a couple of times. That was very exciting. It was a thrill to beat Amherst College uh, in one game. And one year, my sophomore year, we had a pretty good team and uh, were undefeated till we played the school that my brother ended up going to, Wesleyan University. And they destroyed our undefeated season by beating us. But uh, in general, New England lacrosse wasn't that good, nothing like um, what you saw down south. And so the high point was that in my senior year, I was selected to play in the North-South game. And all the friends that I knew, some of the people I played with and some I played against from Baltimore had gone to Hopkins and Virginia and North Carolina and places like that. And they were on the South team. And a very hot, sweltering day, the North, our team, beat them 7-5. to five, And that was a real thrill to... Uh, be on wide world of sports and uh, have that 
victory in my pocket, and it's a memory that I'm very fond of, and a lot of my dear friends played in that game with me. And now these are some of the memories and, and friendships that my dad developed while he was at Trinity College. Well, in that game, I played against Hank Kaysner, who was the, my fellow defenseman and friends, but I played against Jerry Schneidman. He was in that game. I got to become very good friends with him when he played at Johns Hopkins and then became an administrator, uh, secretary to the trustees at Johns Hopkins. Um, other people that I didn't play in the North-South game against, but were on my high school team, Joe Cowan, who is a super All-American uh, in the Hall of Fame. He played at Hopkins, and I've kept uh, a friendship with him and many others. But he wasn't done playing lacrosse after university. No, not by a long shot. In fact, he played for the New York City Lacrosse Club for another nine years from the ages of 21 to 30, from 1967 to 1975. So let's hear from my dad about what it was like playing at New for the New York Lacrosse Club and, and how he got introduced to it in the first place. Well, I knew about club lacrosse because when I played at Friends in Baltimore, sometimes we'd play on the Mount Washington field, and Mount Washington was one of the clubs filled with all of these ex-Hopkins and Virginia All-Americans. And so I knew all about club lacrosse. And I came to New York City to go to graduate school at the Columbia Business School. And uh, I'm not sure how I found, but I knew there was a club in New York. There was a very high-powered Long Island athletic club, uh, club that was usually the representative of the North, but there was a club that was located in New York City. And I hooked up with them and played for them for about seven or eight years and enjoyed uh, being selected often for the North-South game, North-South club lacrosse game. Often we lost, but not always. Uh, and I made a lot of very good friends, many of whom are currently in the, hall, the National Hall of Fame. Uh, so it was a fun time. Much like his nearly decade-long tenure at Friends School, my dad had plenty of memories while he was playing for New York Lacrosse Club in the 70s, late 60s and 70s. So here are just a few of the memories that he wanted to point out. Uh, probably the greatest is when we beat the Long Island Athletic Club because they always beat us and they were filled with talent. We were we had pretty good talent, but uh, it was a treat to uh, eke out a victory because we were always the underdog. One last memory was that uh, it was fun to play on that Mount Washington field against Mount Washington. It was a very close game. We were being photographed by Sports Illustrated, and we lost the game to Mount Washington, but not by much. And we had a great uh, goalie in Cookie Krongard, who is in the Hall of Fame, as I've been mentioning. The reason that I stopped is that uh, I had always had a wish to drag my wife around the world, and I was finished my graduate school education and uh, it was the opportune time to go off and t I took a year and traveled around the world and have not regretted that. But I knew that I was starting to age out. Many of my friends had already retired and uh, I didn't know whether I would come back and play for another year or not. I came back, played one game. All my friends had already retired. So I said, forget about it. I was asked by an ex-player whether I wanted to play out in the Aspen uh, senior game, 
and I commented that I didn't know whether my stick or I would break, but I didn't want to find out. Now, much like my guest last week, Casey Powell, my dad learned more about life and about how he likes his coach-player dynamic more than he learned about the game of lacrosse from the coaches that he had. So here's what he had to say about that. Uh, my coaches were not all that helpful. Uh, we had a lovely coach in, at, in high school, but he was not, he, he was no strategist and did not seem to know the game. He just was a nice uh, history teacher that we all liked. There was another coach who was a screamer, and I didn't particularly like him, but he was our defense coach. He taught me a few things, but I can't say I had enormous respect for him. At Trinity, my coach was just learning the game and was a nice guy, but didn't know that much about the game. And the coaches that we had at the uh, New York Lacrosse Club uh, never really played the game and just tried to keep us organized and out of trouble. One question I had to ask my dad before we ended our conversation was, did he have any heroes growing up or throughout his time playing lacrosse that kept motivating him and inspiring him to play lacrosse? There were some who stood out. I remember Jerry Schmidt was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was a great Hopkins player, became a coach uh, up at, um, uh, I think at Hobart. And then Mike Harriet was at Friends. He was a couple of grades above me. He was a super player, played at Cornell and got killed in a uh, plane crash with the assistant coach of Cornell. And that was a very sad moment. Um, other heroes, other than my father, probably not. Oh, I do have one other hero. Uh, my fellow defenseman was Hank Kasner, and he was a great player. His father, who is also in the Hall of Fame, Hank is in the Hall of Fame, both of them are in there. Uh, his father was a great player and was kind of almost our defense coach. He would be there on the sidelines while we were practicing at Friends day in and day out. Now, of course, and, and I've learned this so much throughout my podcasting and my writing career, lacrosse can have a deeply profound impact on, on a person's life, especially if you've been playing for decades and decades. So this is how lacrosse changed my dad's life. Well, I, f I found that uh, lacrosse helped me understand how to work with people, how to be a team player, how not to be a glory hog, uh, I made great friends. Uh, I don't think I would have been able to make the same kind of friendships in any other. I, and I, I could have in another sport, but I wasn't that talented in any other sport. So this was the, my opportunity. And um, it was uh, a great experience to meet people from all different backgrounds and uh, learn how to work with them in common purpose. And I wish I could say there's more of that around these days than there was back then, but things are pretty fragmented, uh, in my opinion, currently. And why do you feel that? Uh, because it's what I observe, that I think people are on, after the pandemic, they're on edge and uh, mistrustful of one another, mistrustful of uh, media, mistrustful of institutions, and it generates a kind of uh, self-absorption and fearfulness that interferes with the capacity to find common cause and work together uh, to better purpose.
As you would have imagined, the game has changed tremendously since the 1950s when my dad first started playing lacrosse. So here's how he views the changes of the game, and this goes for both the uh, the way that the game is played on the field. Now, I should note that my dad doesn't really have an experience with box lacrosse, although he's heard things about it, particularly now that I am working around box lacrosse, but he does. Uh, he has noticed so much change in the field game. So here are his thoughts about how the game has changed on the on the field, and also you know in the broader perspective of of the game and how players treat the game. Uh, it's a totally different game. First off, I was in the uh, leather helmets, wood stick era. That's no longer the case. So the equipment is totally different. The skill set is amazing. Uh, that these kids are such extremely well-developed stick handlers, athletes. Uh, they're in far better condition. They're much stronger, bigger, faster. Uh, there's no way in the world that I could play today and achieve what I had achieved in my era. Uh, and I'm very happy to see how widespread it is, how popular it's become. If there's one drawback, and I think it's true about many sports, it's the professionalization of sports, that um, it's become too um, specialized in such a way that everybody has to start training at a very, very young age and beat out other people, uh, all in the service of trying to achieve heights uh, of recognition. And I think that it, it unfortunately takes out the uh, amo, the love of amateur sport. And uh, the one thing that I liked about the game when I played it and the people I played with is that we, th there was no professionalism and there was a high uh, quality of play, but uh, we all supported each other and we're not competing for glory in the same way that I think many of the... Uh, players these days do and many of the teams and coaches sort of uh play to and foster thank you so much dad for for joining me for this special episode of the lacrosse matrix podcast it's uh great hearing your full story i don't think i had actually ever heard your your full journey in lacrosse just bits and pieces here and there uh over our time talking about lacrosse but it was very exciting to kind of have everything in one chunk and, and listen to that. So thank you for sharing and thank you for sharing with everybody. I know that that's something that you don't normally talk about with everybody. But of course, in my line of work now, uh, I feel it very relevant for for people to know your history and, and therefore my history as I have learned about the game from you so thank you for sharing and that does bring us to the lacrosse matrix podcast poll of the week which you can always find on my twitter uh which is at adam levy sports it will be pinned on the top of my profile when it is up and running this week for episode 36 i asked you because my dad introduced me to lacrosse when i was a young boy did one of your parents introduce you to the game or was it somebody else that introduced you to the game and uh, I was very excited to, to see the, some of the responses that people gave, not only with their votes, but telling their personal stories about how they learned about the sport of lacrosse. But in regards to the poll, 
69% of you said somebody else other than your parents introduced you to the game, and 31% of you said that your parents introduced you to the game. And I find that so interesting because in a, especially in the box lacrosse world where it is such a tight-knit community and so many uh, fathers, mothers, cousins, brothers have all played and, and with each other, against each other, and there's such a, a close-knit community there, it's interesting to hear, especially in this vote and, and through people's stories, that so many other there are so many other ways that people have been introduced to the game, whether it's the box game or the field game. So very interesting results there, and thank you to everyone who voted for this week's poll. So now that we've done the Lacrosse Matrix podcast poll of the week, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this great episode. Next week, we are going to have another amazing episode for you. I always try and provide the best and try and, and do as much of the most relevant content as possible. There is a great weekend of lacrosse coming up this weekend in week nine of the NLL season. Seven games. uh, Very interesting to see that Buffalo plays two games, one on Friday, one on Saturday. And of course, the Rochester Nighthawks look to remain undefeated, uh, trying to go 7-0. They play on Friday. The Seals return to action against the Colorado Mammoth. And Callum Crawford makes his debut against the Vancouver Warriors. So that is all stuff that you should be looking out for. So enjoy all those games, enjoy all those headlines, and any more that are made over this amazing weekend of lacrosse. And we'll talk next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.